0: Bold Perceptions. How are we doing? It's Jack. I'm joined here with George. Today we are going to talk about The Last Dance, the latest documentary airing on ESPN on Sunday nights. The closest thing we have to sports right now due to the coronavirus. By the way, I hope you're all all your loved ones are safe and healthy out there.
1: But George, how you doing? I'm doing well. And uh, I'm actually, this is kind of new. This is the first in-person, you know, podcast recording I've done in a while. I think since this pandemic exploded. So, of course, we have our breathable respirators on. We're being safe. We're not violating any, you know, moral rules. We're following the rules. We're being healthy. And uh, above all, I'm pumped to talk about the last dance. It's, It's been pretty captivating so far, and I will say, as you can see in the title, I mean, this is the recap of episodes one through four. So if you haven't seen those, turn this shit off. I apologize for the dirty mouth there, but no spoilers. I don't want to spoil anything. But if you're watching live, I assume you are. You're all caught up. So Jack, I'm pumped to do this with you, man.
0: Yeah, this is going to be fun. Coming from a different uh, perspective, obviously you grew up playing basketball your whole life. Um, for me, I just was a all-around sports fan and followed basketball, but... Hey, don't cut
1: yourself short. You were, uh, you know, you were a bruiser on the football field, a bruiser on the baseball diamond. Hey, you know, I uh, I've would, actually like I actually seen you play pickup basketball. You got some groovy passes every once in a while.
0: You know, no spoilers, but I've heard that I was kind of uh, resonate as Rodman. But uh, <laughs> oh,
1: okay,
0: on and off, the <laughs> field. on and off the field, party <laughs> antics. Anyway, getting into it, let's. Uh, as George said, we're going to be recapping episodes one through four. We were a little tardy to uh, dropping one through two. So we're going to drop one through four to you, and then we'll follow up with uh, five through six, seven through eight, and then as well as nine through 10 to recap it all. But let's, uh, let's start off with, uh, we're not going to really go actually uh, episode by episode, but really kind of what we've uh, taken from these first three episodes, our first through four episodes. So, George, uh, where do you want to start?
1: Yeah, you know, I would start with the fact that I think at this point there's clearly four main characters and hey five and six maybe they focus on somebody else throwing some new characters as every good doc does but right now it's clearly you know we got michael jordan the goat some people call him um it's mj dennis rodman we got scotty pippen and then phil jackson um for those of you who are not truly following along we got phil the big six foot ten inch coach the zen master they call him very interesting uh You know, strategies behind coaching and what he brings in. Super interesting guy. Um, Then Scottie Pippen, the sidekick. The Robin to MJ's Batman. And then uh, Dennis Rodman. One of the most interesting athletes I think I've ever seen. And I kind of actually wanted to start there because three and four really honed in on him. Talked about his antics on and off the court. And, I mean, right off the bat... If he was doing the stuff he was doing back in the nineties and today's day and age, I mean, the narrative around him, there'd be so many swirling, you know, talk show topics about the guy. I mean, holy hell, the guy literally took a forty-eight hour Vegas vacation, and I mean, on the on the TV doc, you see him drunk driving on a motorcycle with a Miller light in his hand. I mean, how would that go over in this day and age with guys like Colin Coward and Bill Simmons talking about that?
0: Long story short is he would not be playing at a professional level. No That's way. what it is. I mean, you look at uh, who is the receiver for the Browns or the receiver? Uh, Odell. Oh, no, uh, Josh Gordon. Or Josh I Gordon. mean, the littlest offenses with marijuana, and he's you know suspended indefinitely. You take a vacay in the middle of a season when you guys are on your the last dance, the last season with them. You take a vacation to Vegas. I mean
1: honestly props to the guy that's incredible that's gutsy and i mean we see like ezekiel elliott cowboys running back he goes to mexico to train literally to train there's videos of him training on the beach um i've never trained on the beach but i mean i imagine running uh, and doing ladder work on sand that's got to be tough that's actually probably a pretty cool way to train but i mean we're not talking about rodman going somewhere to train we're talking about him asking the coach's permission Phil Jackson hey man I need a vacation I'm gonna go to freaking Vegas that's like the last place <laughs> if I'm a coach where I'm letting one of my top players go and uh, I mean he pulled it off he was dating Carmen Electra at the time I gotta say that sounds like a hell of a lifestyle um, and of course they show him come back to practice first day late A late B he's in his PJ's his, his PJ's and I just—I've never seen anything like it. And obviously, everybody knows how the season ends; they end up winning it all. Spoiler alert: If you never watched the Bulls, but wow—I I, I mean, I don't know how that would go over now in this day and age. But he would surely get torn apart on the media.
0: Rodman, seriously, pardon my French, but seriously, has that do not give a fuck attitude at whatsoever. And you know, a little disclaimer too. And if you don't haven't seen the documentary on Dennis Rodman on ESPN. You know, I uh, fully encourage you to watch that because it really gives you an in-depth, you know, look at his whole entire life and how he grew up, you know, homeless with his mom and really just kind of, you know, adapting to basketball. And then from there, we kind of had this, you know, he's treated like a child. Even Isaiah Thomas said he was just a big child at the time. He wasn't that dirty player in college. And, you know, once he got to the bad boy
1: Pistons, his whole, you know, perception changed. Right, and actually, I, I remember watching that thirty for thirty on Dennis Rodman. He came in the league, and not only was he, you know, kind of this naive, innocent kid, but he was quiet. Like he was straight edge, quiet, only cared about getting better, only cared about hoops. And then you see people change over time with with their career path, and he just he got to the Spurs after the Pistons, started dyeing his hair a little bit, started getting into trouble. And it's, it's just wild to see the character development. And then you get to the Bulls. And it's interesting because Rodman was kind of a villain and almost a Bulls you know, antidote. They beat him in the playoffs so many times. And I just think it's so interesting how Phil Jackson chose to take a risk, a gamble on a guy like Dennis, bringing him in on a team that's won championships before. And he basically said, yeah, this guy can help us win. Like He brings a crazy dynamic, sure, but phil jackson saw through that and it's incredible how dennis was able to focus in and really hone in and help the team win at the end of the day he phil accepted accepted him for who he was he knew what would come with him kind of the media circus the craziness which hadn't been really you know a relevant thing at the time i mean no athlete was as bold as him as ever yes we just said bold on bold perceptions take a shot but i mean it's crazy it's absolutely crazy You know, I'm glad you brought
0: that up too. One with the media, but two in his, you know, his work ethic as well. But, you know, it's crazy that the, uh, you know, these NBA athletes, you know, they have to go with all this media and it showed the clips of him just saying, you know, no comment. And obviously Dennis Rodman has a different mindset and I just can't believe the pressure and all that with the media asking questions every day. I mean, sometimes I don't even like responding to you, George. And... (laughs)
1: I'll and, give you a call and you'll just, you know, brush it off. And I'm
0: it's like, just like, man, in your face. But for him to block that out on the court and, you know, all of his teammates surrounding, you know, I've said that all together, is that this guy is a different player when he gets on the court. And that clip they showed of him knowing where Jordan's spin on the ball, where to position himself in every single aspect is, that's
1: dedication to the game and showing it at its finest. Yeah, and I mean, that's a, that's a good example, Jack, because, I mean, he really prided himself on rebounding. Right, And he wasn't there to get shots up. So in that sense, he really fit like a glove on the team. Because, I mean, they already got established leaders in MJ and Scottie Pippen. You know at the end of the day, at the end of the game, they're going to get the ball. They're looking to score. And Rodman fit perfectly because he wasn't about getting his shots up. Um, And I just think that's a pretty cool, you know, fit as a team. Um, When Rodman, you know Rodman doesn't care about that stuff, doesn't care about the BS and the glory And I think obviously what makes it all work is when you have a main chess piece like Michael Jordan, the ultra competitive guy that, you know, keeps Rodman in check a little bit. I think that's why it worked ultimately,
0: right? Yeah, no, and kind of going into that and swinging over kind of to Michael Jordan, I think, is that it's actually crazy that he took him right under his wing and their relationship, you know, he's saying how he came over after the mistake in the game early, um, getting ejected, came over to his hotel room, asked for a cigar. That's all that was said but they both knew that it was a mutual feeling and that, you know, there was respect there and that they knew that they were going to have to be in this together. Michael knew he was the best player, but he also knew what Jordan or what Rodman could provide to that team and that, you know, he's going to go through mental things, but you got to support him when you can.
1: Absolutely. And uh, that kind of reminded me of uh, our last podcast guest, Allie Maurer, the psychic. She touched on, you know, unspoken, Connections you have with people, um, unspoken, you know, feelings and emotions. When you see somebody for the first time, you just kind of get it. You it clicks that wow, we're gonna be good buddies. We're gonna be good girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. And I think maybe Rodman and MJ that that yin and that yang meshed together perfectly. And Rodman just accepted, you know, Jordan's leadership and knew he'd be there to keep him in check. And I mean, this is a, this is kind of a good transition over to Jordan because. When you have a guy like that, the alpha male in the room that wants to do whatever it takes to win, I mean, you got to respect it. I mean, I don't know how I'd react to being on a team or, you know, a uh, a, a team in the office, 9-to-5 office or whatever with a guy like Michael Jordan, but at a certain point you just got to say, wow, I mean, I trust this guy. He wants to win. He has won. I'm going to listen.
0: Yeah, no, talking about his work ethic is just – it is just unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me. I mean, to actually have that mindset every single day to go in there and win at practice in the weight room, off the you know off the court, but then ultimately on the court as well. It's actually mind blowing. Him to go up against you know they're talking about in practice about him you know getting switched off and you know playing doubles on people on the second team. Like, it's just crazy that the guy has this work ethic and the motor just never stops.
1: No, never. And uh, another thing I thought was really cool, they showed clips of Phil Jackson, the coach, and Dennis, getting along so greatly off the court even. They were friends. They were buddies. They'd watch film together. And, you know, Phil would make little, like, side jabs at him. And it just showed the true relationship, friendship they have, the unspoken, you know, meshing. And Phil, I know he brought in some, uh, some Native American background to coaching. Um, and he referred to Dennis. I forgot the word. It's a, uh, it's kind of a tribal term for somebody that may wander from the, from the tribe, the group, the team, but you know, he'll always come back in the nick of time. He's reliable. You can count on him. I thought that was super cool.
0: Yeah, no, kind of, and obviously throughout this podcast, we're going to touch on Michael Jordan a lot, And but kind of wrap up him. We're just talking, I mean, the guy is just a freak, but What I really want to touch on is Phil Jackson and being able to coach this guy. I mean, this guy is the greatest player of all time and all the league knows it at this time. How do you control a guy that is the best player in the league and has that mindset? I know it's probably easy as, you you know, easier than you think, but he had to come in, take the ball out of Michael Jordan's hands and
1: Michael had to adapt to that very quickly. Yep. And I actually don't think they touched on this enough. I mean, They had a coach, Doug Collins, before Phil became the guy um, in charge of the locker room. Doug was a really high-energy guy. MJ loved him. The whole team respected him. And, I mean, they won. They got to the Eastern Conference Championship. They lost, ultimately. But, I mean, to make that change and to ultimately fire Doug and then bring in Phil, who was, you know, an internal candidate. He was on the bench with Doug the whole time, shadowing him. But to have that confidence and then bring him in, And not only bring him into any team, you're bringing Phil Jackson into a team with the alpha dog Michael Jordan. You got Scottie Pippen. And then later adding Dennis Rodman. I mean, that's a lot of shit going on at once. That's a lot of different characters. A lot of personalities. A lot of personalities. Like, you got to be great at being a human as well as a coach. And like you said, Phil, you know, took the ball out of Michael's hands. He implemented his famous triangle offense where it's more about movement, team basketball and to get Michael Jordan to buy into that when he's averaging what 30 and 30 points a game every night. I mean that's that's a hell of a, you know, a shift in mentality from Michael to accept that system for the team's greater good. I mean I, I don't think they touched on that enough like Phil's transition to that offense and MJ accepting that. That's that's another thing that really blew me away.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. And actually I think my favorite part about Phil is just learning his history about him like grew up and played uh, on the Knickerbockers, and, but really had this hippie lifestyle to him. So I think, you know, I grew up in Montana, I think, right? Yep. And uh, I think that hippie, you know, lifestyle is just funny to bring on to, you know, a big city like Chicago, with the best basketball organization in the world, that it's just kind of funny and just, op- you know, shows the open-mindedness that he has to everybody. And really what everybody can learn from that is just adapting to, the most dramatic
1: personalities out there oh my god i mean it's it's basically a traveling circus it was with all the different guys coming and going obviously we don't even know about you know all the role players that came and went during these years we know about the staples like mj pippen rodman had horace grant another great player but to manage all that and then to keep his open-mindedness and but stick to his guns at the same time his philosophy that's impressive and uh it made me think wow I mean I don't think I could ever coach in the league nonetheless all these different personalities but it's a beautiful thing when they all come together as one win these NBA finals against these these tough teams that are no joke I mean you got to be locked in and like you said that hippie background that uh you know that go with the flow mindset that Phil had and implemented into his everyday coaching career that's uh that's sticking to your guns right there he didn't he didn't change for anything and he commanded respect i mean it's probably pretty easy when you're 6'10 we're what six foot i mean we get respect but not from a physical stature standpoint i'd say so i can't i can't relate to that but geez
0: yeah he's a big dude how about the really quick interlude how about his coaching down was it in puerto rico and uh how about the battles they had they what, did the owners shoot the ref?
1: Yeah, what the hell what was that?
0: that? I mean, come on. So this guy has been through the trenches.
1: I mean, he probably can't handle anybody. So props to him. Yeah, no, literally. What was that? To uh, so, he, so there was a referee that got shot in the ankle mid-game in Puerto Rico? <laughs> yeah, for a bad call. What is that, call of duty? I mean, that's just. And then you go to Chicago, the bright lights and the <laughs> NBA. Uh, that's, that's what you call having seen things, you know. What's going to phase you after you see a freaking pistol get pulled on the sideline on the ref? who's deciding the outcome of your game.
0: Yeah, no, honestly to, uh, to wrap up uh, Phil, I will say it's going to be interesting to see kind of how him, you know, he develops throughout this documentary, but I will say kind of from a perception wise, you know, Phil Jackson to a lot of millennials and, you know, people our age is kind of known as, you know, the failure obviously with the Knicks right now. So it's definitely cool to see his background with, you know, the bulls. And then obviously with the Lakers and obviously he's probably the best coach of all time, but, you know, it's kind of weird that some people have that legacy, you know, tarnished when they try it one more time at it
1: and have, you know, a failure. So true, because, you know, you got Michael Jordan later in his career going over to the Washington Wizards. You got Brett Favre playing for the Jets. maybe Vikings. Tom, the Vikings. I'm a Packer fan. We don't talk about that here. Um, and then we got Tom Brady this year going to the Bucks. And, I mean, what's his legacy going to be remembered as if he were to fail over the next two years, right? It's all perception. It's all what you saw, what you consumed in the moment. Um, and that's interesting because, like you said, Phil ended up coaching in New York. But prior to that, he coached Michael Jordan, won six rings with him, coached Kobe and Shaq. Did he win four or five? with? Yeah, he won five. So he's got more rings than fingers. I think he won two with the Knicks as well as a player. With Yeah, as a player he <clears throat> won as well. I mean, so he knows what it takes. And that's an interesting interlude, actually, Jack, because – you got all these winners on this team that have gone through the process. Um, they got what it takes to win. They've done it. They've been there. And just trusting that process and trusting that, you know, life and human experience to get to that pinnacle of their career field, which is, you know, winning the trophy. I mean, experience and positive thinking, and you know, positive affirmations, that's what gets you there.
0: Yeah, I know I kind of forgot about this earlier, but when you said, you know, doing anything to win, it reminded me, and it was just it stuck out so much, and it was so cool to me that Michael Jordan knew that he had to fit you know take down the Pistons ultimately to get to the finals. And Michael, as a very athletic kid, you know, didn't have much build to him, and you know, he put it on himself to put on 15 pounds, yes, in one offseason, just to put it to them and say, Hey, we're not going to back down to you. And that kind of goes to, I think, Scotty Pippen went down. He said do not show any emotion to them we do not want to think you know them to think that we're weak because they're going to keep going we're going to put it right at him and i thought it was so cool that he you know right after that
1: season every single one of those bulls players got in the locker room or the weight room and got better yeah yeah they use that you know that driving internal force because i mean the pistons beat their ass physically they're known as the bad boys they'd knock you down if you came into the paint near the hoop and they just physically overpowered you that was their whole game And MJ, after he lost for the second consecutive uh, year in the league playoffs to them, just said, you know what? I mean, they're going to continue to beat me up if I don't get bigger. And like you said, push the entire team to get in the weight room. You see the clips of them just pumping iron in the the iron asylum. And they ended up filling out. And then that next year, not only did they beat them in the playoffs, they swept swept them. them. They embarrassed them. The Pistons walked (laughs) off the court without shaking their hands and that was cool too. MJ looking at uh, what Isaiah Thomas, the Pistons leader, said about. The disrespect
0: continues, which is. Yeah. It's just crazy actually that that still follows you as the best player ever and knowing that that was one of the biggest driving motivations to get you to the uh,
1: finals. And that's another point I want to make. I mean, if you saw a team of the Pistons, you know, legacy and their stature who have won championships. They get dusted in the playoffs like that, and they just leave like sore. Lo- I think it's a sore loser move. I thought that was a absolutely a, a B word move. If you do that today in this day and age, just like Rodman going to Vegas on a sabbatical, you're gonna get flamed in the media.
0: Flamed? Oh my gosh! You walk off, you will not hear the end of it from Skip Bayless or any of the commentators or any of the media in general. It's just absolutely it's crazy. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't support that move of walking off. I know that's how they passed the legacy on but obviously that was you know a wussy move instead of a a legacy transfer
1: right right i mean come on pass the torch with respect like they all respected michael jordan you know at the bottom of their hearts just just shake the guy's hand but so looking forward then um i mean what do you think is to come i know we just saw michael win his first finals obviously we know five more is on the way i think it's going to be interesting to see you know, how his mentality changes as as a title defender compared to chasing the title. Because he's always got something brewing in his head to motivate him. So it's going to be really interesting to see him shift from, wow, I want that first title to, let's go repeat, baby. Let's freaking defend that thing.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited for the uh, next episodes to come. Just to see, like you said, what keeps driving him. I mean, the littlest things obviously get him going crazy. And obviously... He wants to win in basketball more than anything in the world. But it will be interesting to see that he's got one, he's got two. You know, what does he want? we already kind of seeing the 98 and saying, you know, we're not giving up on this. So I want to see what the little in-between factors are.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think it's super cool because, I mean, you don't need to be an athlete to appreciate, like, the Michael Jordan mindset. I mean, you can apply this to to anything, a hobby, um, even, like, a girl that you're chasing, right? I mean, any, sure. anything in life. Um, or a guy. I don't know who's listening. But, I mean, I think there's really cool stuff to come. I think we're going to see a lot of more uh, quote-unquote savagery out of Michael Jordan. I think he's going to kind of flip a switch, and now he's going to be the villain, right? As soon as you win, you're the, you're the hero. But then, from then on, you got a target on your back, and you got to fuel the fire. So, it's going to be great to see one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time. And I'm actually looking at a great clips right now. I see a lot of the word great around me. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be incredible.
0: George, I want this. I'm going to finish every episode with this. Me and you are huge LeBron fans. Oh, boy. I actually, my very
1: first jersey in general, was a LeBron James Cavaliers jersey. And you got you were the uh, the jersey hoarder. You had, like, oh. uh, all four sports going. You had a different one in rotation in your childhood, from what I've heard from you. That was the only Christmas present I
0: received, I feel like, was a new jersey. I think I had all of the Rams players. But anyways, besides the fact, we're both LeBron fans. You know, we think LeBron's a GOAT. We haven't had much insight into, you know, the Michael Jordan debates. Obviously, it comes up almost every single day on social media. But I'm going to have what's – your, what's your GOAT meter, I'm going to say, okay? Okay. So you got LeBron on the far right. Um, we'll go by 10, okay? So LeBron, excuse me, is a 10 right now on the GOAT meter. Where does MJ fit right now on the GOAT meter in comparison?
1: Okay, so we got LeBron on the far right at a 10. Um, I think LeBron guys are feeling – pretty good you know they're sipping their uh their kool-aid they're relaxed they're, they got their feet up you know they're saying okay this hasn't done much damage yet but i think it's gonna get a little closer a little more tense in the room with the lebron guys the next couple episodes i think you'll see jordan win at least two more by the next time we talk i think lebron may be down personally Maybe a 7, 8, because I think we're going to see some crazy So,
0: really what I'm saying, if LeBron, you put LeBron's head visual meme here, you have LeBron at the 10 on the scale, where is MJ's crying face emoji? Ah, okay, the crying face Is meme. it at a 3 then, you're saying? So there's a gap of 7? Yeah, we'll okay. go with that. We'll okay. Go. okay, so LeB- after the first four episodes, George has determined that the crying face Michael Jordan logo is at a 3 for the GOAT, where LeBron is at a 10. We will, you know, get George's updates as we continue these podcasts, and uh, we'll see what changes. Maybe he goes back down. Maybe Jordan, you know, LeBron gains momentum, and you know there's going to be a LeBron documentary. Just, just
1: wait. Oh, of course. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll fund it if need be. If I'm too, if I feel too threatened as a LeBron, you know, Stan, I'm gonna have to say we got to get a doc going. We got to get it going quick. But Jack, this was fun. You know, this is a quick recap one through four um close her out man
0: yeah hey guys thanks for listening um it's good to be with you george in person like you mentioned earlier i'm excited to drop these next four um you know recaps for the documentary and uh, i think we got some fun stuff coming as well so uh thanks again for listening guys you know like us on instagram share us your friends and uh, don't be afraid to comment on our post of uh you know what your thoughts are on the first four episodes if you're listening to it
1: yep slide in the dms we're real people real conversations to be had so again love you guys see you next time
0: Thanks.